when you used to have those like summertime specials and stuff, there was like a, maybe like a different theme tune, wasn't there, or to to the programs that you'd watch. You know, you know it was a special. Yes. It was a bit different than a regular slot show. It was a one-off, wasn't it? But then you would it would be like in time for the next one. So there might be a little bit like a different way of presenting the show with a different format, right? Right. So how are we going to do this? How are we going to make this special a different format? We could get um, Tony Blackburn to uh, yeah line do lion taming. I, I saw that on a Summerside special once. Yes. Well, he didn't actually do it, did he? He just, he just sort of sat there whilst like was it Tony Blackburn or was it Noel Edmonds? He sat there. There's a proper lion tamer, and Tony Blackburn or Noel Edmonds would just sat there in the cage shitting himself <laughs> while this lion tamer cracked his whip at lions. I imagine that Chedwin might have wanted to get in on that as well. Yeah, he'd do that, wouldn't he? He'd probably be with, they'd have like a dancing troupe, wouldn't yeah. they? Who were not like sexy, like legs and cut or anything no. like that. They'd be wearing white t-shirts and, yeah. and stuff. Would he? Would he have? He would have joined their troop, wouldn't he? Like yeah, che- Cheggers. a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, what? See, what we could do is uh, swap chairs. Oh, that would uh, mix things up a bit. It would, wouldn't it? Let's. It'll be moving our devices. Oh, well, I was just. You're right. Well. Um... Okay. Oh, really? yeah, totally different perspective now. Well, you've got a cushion on your chair. I, well, I did have. I think I might need to get one on mine. Well, you've got it now, you're in my right. chair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, what I meant was when I come when you back, back. To, right, I come right. back for, for season three. So, here's something that I was thinking about. I've been showing off recently. I, I, every now and then I go out vinyl hunting right. to find, out, to find you know, some really good old vinyl. And every now and then you... Like best of albums are pretty good because yeah. you know you, if you, I know you're only spending a couple of pounds and stuff, but the best of albums are really good because you, you you're only getting a few songs. It's not like today's electronic age where you can get like a million songs on Spotify. It's like you know, ten songs are on an album generally. Yeah. So you have yeah. to really look out for what you what you're getting. And uh, I've been showing off this album that Jonathan King uh, presented. It was either the best of. Made in America or whatever his show was called, oh, yeah, and I've I been yeah I've been going look at what's on it and, and that, and uh, I showed my sister, and she said uh, convicted paedophile. Yeah, well that was it. It was as she said it as the words leapt out of her mouth. I realised that I think she's right. I think he was a bit, and I've been showing loads of people this album to say how proud I am to get a Jonathan King compilation album. Yeah, he was uh, he was convicted of child sexual abuse in two thousand and one and sentenced to seven years in prison for uh, assaulting five boys aged fourteen and fifteen in nineteen eighties. Oh, good lord! He's out out on parole now. Came out in March. Yeah. I think the thing with Tony Blackburn, he was complaining, wasn't he, that the BBC had uh, uh, sort of stopped him telling the truth. Like well, that's what it was that he wasn't supposed to be involved in it at all. Yeah, I think he just. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe this is a big old. You know, viper's nest. Of, I think it. I think it probably we, is. We, of libelous and slander. I think, I think we should stay away from it. But it's. But I do like. Uh, I do like it when people aren't paedophiles. That's you know. There's there's a problem when they are really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think you know. The least you can do is is not be a paedophile, isn't it? Oh, really, the very least. Yeah, I've coped. <laughs> right, uh, guys. This is the mid-season 
super special extravaganza between season two and three of the Tales of the Unexpected podcast. And we're doing a tale of an unexpected tale. Well, unexpected tale on the basis that it's not a tale of the unexpected. It's not, no. It's a different... But it's unexpected and it's a tale. And it was on TV. So, so far... We're, it's normal, business as usual, okay, except for the seat change. <laughs> However, this one, we're not doing the 1970s, 1980s TV programme. We're moving right up to date. Well, to, sort of fairly up to date. Yeah, to uh, last year, to, to 2015 maybe? 2014. 20, really? Was that long ago? Yeah. God, this is in an episode we're going to, re- uh, not review, we don't review them, we just tell you what happens in them. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, an episode called, of... Uh, Inside, Inside number nine. nine called Sardines it turns out it was the first ever episode now what we've decided to do is pick an episode each of I think we mentioned that we we're going to do this pick an episode each of, of Inside number nine and do exactly the same as we do because it, it follows a similar sort of format and, and it is quite, quite linked in that uh, the, um, a lot of people when they're talking about Inside number nine on the internet We'll mention tales they'd expect in the same breath. I've yeah. noticed that quite a lot. Yeah, so we've, we want to, I think it'd be good to introduce our guests for the episode, mm-hmm. which is um, uh, Reese Shearsmith and Steve Pemberton. Yeah. They're just out in the kitchen there. Yeah, again, you, I mean, Reese Shearsmith was here before. Yeah, he was in the kitchen, just stayed in the kitchen. Yeah. Are you coming through? I don't think they are. No, they're shaking their heads. Yeah. Just they just want to stay in the kitchen for a bit. Yeah, well, that's well, fair enough. We'll, yeah. ca- we'll carry on without them, regardless. Then um, no, no, they might come. No, I don't know. So, uh, well, welcome to the episode. Here's some theme music. Ba ba ba. That sounds like Pearl and Dean. Not that. No, <laughs> we've already done that one. <laughs> here's some. Here's some other theme music. That's not what we usually do. Right. I'll have to find some free stuff. Because nobody's paying for these episodes yet. <laughs> well, apart from us. Okay, right, here we go then. Let's kick things off. First of all, what we should say is it starts off with um, the a view of a stately home. Yes. And that is our number nine. That's number nine. And, and for those who don't really know what Inside Number Nine is, quick synopsis would be that it's a the non-linked stories each week. It's a different, odd little story that usually has some sort of ending. It doesn't need to be sinister or or odd, but just a little sting in the tail. Yeah. At the end of the tail. Yeah. A sting in the tail. A metaphor. Yeah. yeah. And um, uh, they centre around being in a the number nine of a certain thing. So, so it could be a train carriage. It could be a house. It could be a theatre uh, dressing room. That was one of the ones. Yeah. And we've got we've got a couple of ideas about where number nine could go. Yes. But, uh, but, but definitely leave it with the geniuses. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, this one then opens, as we said, with the view of a stately home. It's. Um, it says then the title comes up sardines now then uh i am aware maybe this is just my age because um 
I am aware of the name but never got round to playing it but this seems one of those kind of middle class sort of games that you would probably played in the 1980s with at a, at a dinner party with with guests is would uh, is that your recollection of this yeah i mean i've very much got a 1980s recollection of it cuz um i've got a well you know a um dawn I, you've got a Dawn. Dawn. I have got a Dawn. Uh, a friend called Dawn. And uh, in the 80s, I used to see her and her husband a lot. We'd go out three or four times a week. And uh, at the weekend, we'd sort of all get pissed. And uh, Dawny would more often than not say, let's play squash sardines. She called it squash sardines. Yeah. I think she's she probably emphasising just that to get squashed. That was because that's the idea, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Is it's not fun. Oh, which actually happens in this episode is it, it's not fun unless we're crammed together. That's yeah, well well at one point um one of them sort of says what what is the point of it and uh, they say nobody wins, you just wait. Yeah. So so that is sardines now then. Uh, the point I was going to make was I although don't know anything that's about to happen at this st- well other than the fact that I've seen it if I'd not already seen it all I know is it's called sardines but I've actually in my head started to think oh is it that old game that they used to play where people used to cram together like a, almost hide and seek but not but yeah. you cram together and uh, turns out that's the way it looks because what happens is a woman walks into a room now she's I forget the actress's name but she plays um, the um, PR woman in um, IT crowd it's Catherine Parkinson. Yes, thank you. Um, and actually, number nine does have these really cool cameos because they're not linked episodes. Yeah. The only the only thing that really links them is the two main guys, which is Rishi Smith. And, and even they're not in them all. No, no, they have different guys as in. And in sometimes there's one. Sometimes of them one of them. Yeah. Mostly apparently. It's mostly them two, but yeah, the the cameos is something to look out for. In this, I actually recognised. Every single person who, who was who's about to you know from something or other yeah um, and and um, it starts off with one which is the woman she walks into the the bedroom and she's clearly searching for something she, yeah yeah she goes into the bedroom she goes into the the ensuite bathroom yeah swings open the shower curtain yeah which is one of those things in like horror movies where you. Uh, Oh, walk up to the shower curtain and then and then nothing's there yeah but as you turn around there's a guy with a knife yeah. <laughs> there isn't in, in this one there isn't yeah. no she she then has a sniff of some so, soap now we here yeah. it's carbolic soap yeah I, I played a joke on Michelle once it, it's not a, it's not a joke really it was it's just not the black face so. no it was just to wind her up really but I do remember the black face soap no this was a joke where she said we need some soap go out and get some and I did one of these kind of like classic I pretended to be like a a 90s male or 2000s male yeah and get it very wrong so I went oh right I, well I found this soap and it smelt quite nice and, and here it is and I gave her this soap and she she kind of like she was looking at me like gone out I was like what the hell are you doing buying this like 1920s style soap for so was it was it pears was it the brown one or no was it, it was the, the orange thick... one right the orange right, one right and whilst she was saying nothing working out what, what the hell was happening I got I said and whilst I was at the, the store 
I bought because I went to a, sp- a specific store to get it to play this joke. Right. I got some of that tracing paper toilet roll as well, <laughs> and I said, and this was on offer as well. And I pop it on the side, and I just waited for the reaction. And had you got some tracing paper toilet? Roll? Yeah. The the problem is that she just didn't think I was serious when it came to that, so she knew it was just a joke. But when guests come round, I often put it out on the side just so just to. Kind of like get a bit of a reaction, what reaction is, from their arseholes. What is the point of tracing paper toilet paper? It's cheap, surely. The schools are associated. Isol medicated, it was called. Isol, yes, Isol. In fact, that's what people used to call it, wasn't it? Isol. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not fit for purpose, is it? No, I mean it just moves the poo. Yeah, it and scratches. Wipe, would, would you move crum- and scratch? Crumple it up before using it because that, that, that I thought was the best. I way. never used it, but uh, well, well about, no, at school I would have had to use it, but I don't remember it. But I do think that move and scratch will be a good rap album uh, title, <laughs> or move and scratch could be the, the the two MCs' names. Yeah, yeah. MC Move and DJ Scratch. Yeah, they probably do exist in in one way or another. We uh, we saw the Scratch Perverts uh, supporting brilliant um, Fat Boy. Yeah, the Scratch Perverts are amazing. Family. I'm not in. I was never into that sort of scene until I'd seen some dance. Uh, Artists live. Main, I think the biggest one was. I, I never got what what who Carl Cox was. Never got that importance of him until I saw him. It was at the uh, Rock Ness, the Fat Boy Slim Slim Festival up at uh, Loch Ness, and he was one of the support acts. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant, and it turned me on to to, to listen to that sort of music. Mm. But again, I, I can't listen to this Euro stuff that's happening in the charts at the moment. In fact. I did catch a glimpse of the charts this last weekend. So this is this will give you an idea of when this was recorded. Ed Sheeran. Has he got 18 singles in there? <laughs> it's ridiculous, isn't it? Doesn't that devalue what a chart record is then? Yeah, because isn't it just that people have downloaded it from his album? Yeah, from it like they've down they've been able to download it. Well whereas the what what used to happen, certainly when I look at a great a great battle was that two records released on the same day one was uh, Country House and Roll With It and, and Roll With It yeah. the Oasis and Blur battle yeah. and that was it was really good because it did you kept you guessing and you you were either in one camp or another and I don't have I've, I'm not in either camp I preferred Blur because I think they were doing something different each week or each record yeah but uh, I don't. I certainly don't dislike Oasis, and that was a really good. I think the right song won in the end. Right. You see, uh, I've gone the other way. I I preferred Rolling. You like? Well, I say Country House because he had a couple of Page Three stunners in the uh, in the video, which <laughs> and and uh, Keith Allen. I do like the cheesemaker. The, the, che- the bass player who makes. Oh, yeah. Um, what was his name? Alex Jones. Yeah. yeah. I think he's Alex really Jones is it? Alex no. James. Yeah. Alex yeah. James. Yeah. The, the, the cheese man from Blur. <laughs> Stuart Lee calls him. Anyway, let's go back to this story then. Right. So, um, so she's looking around and eventually she sees this big Narnia style wardrobe yeah. in the bedroom. Yeah. And she ponders over it for a while. And she and she's approaching it with some trepidation. I think, yes. Isn't she? Yes. It, it does because at this stage, remember, we don't know it's about sardines. The, the game. Not really. I think it was worthwhile pointing out to the listeners that it's of sardines, so that we at least we're we're not having to confuse the what's going on and it is in the title page yeah but the actual the rules of the game oh, right. and actually the rules of the game were never really made clear it's it seems like they've got their own version of this rule which is which is fun well even in the 80s the rules of the game were never made clear because although Dorney would say let's play squash sardines 
We never actually played it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, da, 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 da. So, so she opens the wardrobe, swings open the doors, and in is stood Tim Key, my favourite stand-up comedian. Man, man of the moment. I, I love this guy, and I could I could watch anything with him in it. He is playing the part of Ian. Yeah. And Ian is a very socially awkward person, very boring, forgettable sort of person. Who, who works in IT. Who works in IT. There's probably room. no connection. No, no, but, but not, it but, was nice, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, they, they must have known when they were filming this that that was going to be the case. Yeah, so then they shut the, the doors. And then there's this awkward handshake where he sort of almost has to grab her hand and manipulate a handshake, <laughs> introduce himself as Ian... And she, and then there's a little bit of discussion about what her name is, because he because he gets a name wrong and he calls her Rachel initially, Rachel, yeah. But it turns out that he then finds out that she's Rebecca. Because so, which one are you? He says, and, and he Rebecca. says that he works with Jeremy, who is Rebecca's partner. Yes, uh, yes. Um, yeah, this it looks like everybody is either family. Or working relationships. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's that's where all these people tie in. Now, as they're uh, in this awkward, and there's a lot of awkward silences as well, which yeah. really works. Seems very English, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It's lovely. Then, through the gap in the door, they see another man uh, who's kind of searching around. Now, look through the gap. And this person is wearing earphones, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's looking quite cool, isn't he? He's got uh, a glass of wine or champagne, and uh, he's got earphones on, presumably yeah. some sort of Walkman-style thing. Yeah, and it, so now he can't hear the, the two people talking in the cupboard, and also he doesn't really do... It's a half-hearted search of the room, isn't he? So yeah. He then walks back out. Carry on to the fact that... Uh, Tim Key is having this socially awkward conversation. He 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 says that his he was christened Richard Ian Percival, Ian Percival uh, R.I.P. And then there's a reference to nine eleven as well. There, yeah, because she she says she's going to get married on the ninth of November. Yeah, and he says that's nine eleven. That's nine eleven. Uh, which sort of it is for us, but it's not for them, isn't it? Not for the Americans. So. Um, in walks Pemberton, yeah. opens the door. Playing a character called Carl. Yeah, he's Carl. Turns out he's Rebecca's brother. Yeah. They have a, quite an odd relationship. Yeah, it, uh, it it feels as though there's some sort of possibly inappropriate connection between yeah. them, doesn't there? there? So, so he's then, before he gets into the wardrobe, that he, he holds a hand, yeah. looks at a ring. Yeah. He's looking at that, and we know that it's her brother, and... Maybe he's going, I resent you for marrying this person. Mm. Or, I resent you for marrying this person because I want to be with you. Yeah. I, and it's, it's, it's incredible how much is conveyed from, from that, isn't it? I yeah. mean, I think that's got to be good acting, hasn't it? It has, because it's never, it's never... You don't ever get to the bottom of why that happens. Yeah. It's, but it's there. It's in the back of your mind that this is just a family with a very odd relationship. Yes, yeah. It gets worse. Yes, it does. Um, so now there are three in, and they're having a bit of... <laughs> the, the brother and sister are having a bit of a... Uh, it's not aggressive, but it's a little bit of crosswords here and there. And then he just says, just calm down, just keep keep calm. And then 
Tim Key comes in with, yeah, chill out, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so it's one, it's out of nowhere, but it just it really, really nicely delivered that it's, and he just says he misjudged. Because <laughs> obviously it, it leads to silence. And yeah, what, exactly. What's, what's yeah, now the, called the tumbleweed yeah. moment. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So they, he gets in, uh, Pemberton, there are three of them in there now, close the doors, and then, and then after a little bit of that kind of like conversation, then you hear in the background, lollipops, and you, and only the way that Reese Shear Smith can do this, <laughs> uh, it, and he's, he's imitating the child catcher, isn't yeah. he, from uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, which, well, you know, it's a cliche to say truly terrible childhood moment, but it was a truly terrible childhood yeah. moment, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, he, he was. I, th- I don't think he was we've already established he wasn't in the original script was he yeah he, that's right that was added by Roald Dahl's yeah. idea and also he was played by a uh, a ballerina um, and the and and he was used because of the kind of the shapes and his angles of his walking and, and, and how sinister he could make his his legs go and stuff. Which is a lot of detail to put into a small character in a, yeah. in a film, isn't it? You, a lot of people will forget exactly what happens in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yeah. They won't forget the child catcher. Yeah, absolutely. Isn't that? It's amazing, isn't it? That? Yeah. Um, and of course, Benny Hill's in that as well. Is he? Uh, what does he play in that? He plays a toy maker. Oh, he does, uh, in, in that village where... And his kids have been nicked by the child catcher. Yes. Yeah. Sorry to... Uh, Ruin if, if anybody's not we've seen that film yet. <laughs> spoiler, yeah. spoiler alert! There, a bit late. Yeah, um, yeah. So Reese, uh, and he's playing a gay flamboyant type, isn't he? Yeah, called Stuart. Searches a couple of the rooms, then finds them in the uh, the closet there, the, the wardrobe. And uh, yeah, and his his conversation totally laden, overtaken really with innuendo. And, and pretty much every line he has. What he is is he is. You understand he is the partner of uh, the of Carl. Uh, of Carl, the brother of Rebecca, and um, he then Tim Key does his intro again. I'm um, Ian. I work in IT, and uh, Shear Smith comes back with, "Well, I work in SHIT because," and he's got he's, he's in the bad books, isn't he, in this relationship at yes, the moment? Yeah, because he's well, as I say, it's all innuendo. He's saying. Uh, are they hanging around in the toilets? Yeah. Uh, or are they in the closet and things like that? Yeah. You know, you sort of... And, 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 and where you've got the... Where you've got... I, I want to say the straight man, but obviously Pemberton isn't the straight man. They're, they're gay. They're uh, in a gay relationship, but... Oh, I thought you meant as in the non-comedian there. But... No, no, exactly. But that's... As a double act, yeah. one would be the... Uh, I don't know, Eddie Large. Yeah. And, and the other one would be the Sid Little... Yes. Time characters. Yeah. They're probably the really worst double acts that I could mention. Cannon and Ball? Oh, yeah, one's Bobby Ball and one's Tommy Cannon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then they discuss that who else is at the party, and they name a few names. We won't bring those into into the conversation just yet. Right. But one, they just start discussing who's the boring one. They realise that they're now talking about Tim Key. Ian. Yeah. He's, he's been termed the boring one. Well, I wonder if at this point we ought to say that they also reveal that there's a, there's a fellow there called Stinky John. Stinky John, yeah, there's... Yeah, so he does come into it. A lot of the names... You will hear these names come into it. But, yeah, you, you're when they talk about these people, it's generally what their thing is. Yeah. Their shtick is. 
And what, what, what's said about Stinky John is that something must have happened to him to make him stop washing. Yeah, he, yeah. one day he just decided to stop washing. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, now we, the, we, had a, we had a guy, well, we had more than one guy at school who uh, were like that. Yeah. Two of them in particular, there was Lieutenant Sweathog. That, <laughs> that was our name for him. And Commander Fatback, they, they were a pair. And uh, there was a third one as well, uh, which we, we didn't have a, a nickname for, so I won't sort of say his name. But um, when I was in the sixth form, as I've said before, I was at school in the 70s and things apparently were different. Uh, I've found this out since I married Elle and she's told me that a lot of what we did was unacceptable bullying. Absolutely. Um, there was another one, Spots McGee. His name was his surname wasn't even McGee, but that reminds me of the boat in Boatface. That's just been in the news recently. Yeah. But um, now we had uh, a woman who she was a maths teacher who generally stank a coffee. Um, that's not what we decided to pick up on. We we call the topple toes because she couldn't. She didn't seem to be able to walk in her heels. Very All right. Well. Um, we, had, yeah. we had a German teacher who confusedly was. Um, Irish, I think she was from Northern Ireland, and she, uh, her sort of identifying feature was that she had a uh, a big wart right. on, uh, on her face, just under her eye, so we always called her Wartica. It definitely is a form of kind of like, you know, yeah. upset, Yeah. Uh, which I'm not, I'm not proud of, but... No, I, no me neither. But I, was, I never picked on people, I silently gave them nicknames, um, however... I think it is. I think it is slightly different. The mental torture is. <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, I mean, when I was training to be a teacher, this is interesting. Actually, I reminded myself of this the other day because I was at the dentist, and he was like, "I remember when I was a kid, he the the the, the dentist would go the A, the B, the one, the one, the two, mm-hmm. this, and then they go the he go the sound, and I thought the sound was a tooth, but he goes, no, no that's just sound. That's the one, the, the one sound, the two, the sound. And they'd poke it with a hook. Yeah, just like that. Well, this one, when I went to the other day, he put his mirror in and just had a look round, and he was there for a few minutes, and he just went, yeah, all good, right, okay. And then he, I've had some an operation done on one of my tooth, and he just went and spent a little bit more time just making sure that was okay. Now then. That didn't seem an adequate check, so I had to then say again, "Are we all done? Is that is that okay?" Yeah. And he goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, that's fine, that's fine." Well, the seat went up, and I'm left thinking, do, "How do you say goodbye to a dentist?" Well, this is how I ended it. When you're at uh, dentist school, do the teacher have to use a mirror as well? And it wasn't a nasty thing. I wasn't poking at him. But I wanted, I wanted to see how you were, you know, did they say, you know, you obviously need to know about teeth, but we're going to teach you about how to use a mirror, you know, so you can... How to see them backwards. Understand what you're seeing in a mirror and how to rest Yeah, it does well. sound like... Yeah. Uh, well, he said... A bit you, of a dig. Yeah, he says, uh, you do. You do learn how to use a mirror. They do teach you how to do that. And then I was reminded that when I was trained to be a teacher, they said, you will come across children who are bad, have bad hygiene and you can't, you can't approach it. You can't say you need a wash yeah. because it's bullying. Or rather, it could seem as being offensive and bullying, right? Yeah. You have to find a way of doing it. And so you have to like slip into conversation about, mm. oh, doesn't it feel good to... But then how do you say to a bunch of kids how good, good, how a shower feels? It, which, because now we're into Blackburn... 
Jonathan King, Savile territory. Not Blackburn. No, Blackburn for a few months, but then... But Blackburn only as a person who was stopped from... Showering it. Yeah. Not in any way connected with any sort of child allegations. Do you think we've covered the lawsuit? (laughs) (laughs) I think so. I will just say, I I had a sort of similar, how do you end this, uh, Mm. yesterday. Because I've gone to see um, uh, the... um, Bone doctor. I don't know what they call them. It's not osteopath. It's. I guess I'm. I think it might be Skeletor. Skeletor is who I'd gone to see at at Castle Grey School. I think it was. Skeletor was so clever. Have I told you this before? Mm. It was. If you watch old episodes of He Man, mm. like Skeletor would have, he, his his mind is amazing. Right. Like he he knows low. He's like. Um, Stephen Fry, but more like a skeleton version of Stephen Fry, which you would expect with a name like that. Yeah, but he was—he's uh, so bloody clever. Watch the one about the mirror. He has anyway. Go on. The sorry. mirror. Yeah. And did they teach him that at dental oh, school? No, they didn't. That was a different mirror. <laughs> right. What's yeah. this? Your bone skeleton. Yeah. So I'd gone to see Skeletor, and uh, I'd never met him before. I'd seen his understudy before. His underpants. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, some of the some of the medication I'm on it makes me sweat profusely. And uh, they called me in, and uh, indeed, I was. I'd called it. I'd, I'd actually called at the Tesco. It was on the way there to buy a new T-shirt because the situation <laughs> was so bad. Called me in, and uh, we had a conversation. It all it all went very well, and then I stood up to leave, and it was a, a handshake moment. Yeah, but. Sweat was running down my arms (laughs) and into my hands. And I I thought, what can I do? So I thought the only thing I can do is just say, I would shake your hand, but I'm covered in sweat. (laughs) Well, that's quite nice, though, isn't it? At which point his nurse said, oh, you are, aren't you? But I thought that was better than just walking out. Have you ever left... um... So if I'm at work, I have a wee, and then I wash my hands, and I... There's the somebody taking up the Dyson Airblade thing. Oh, I don't like them. So what I do is, well, I put my dick in one of those before. Have you? Have I not told you this? No. In There's a pub, I forget where it is, but there was one for adults and there's one for kids. What? Right, it's lower down. Oh, right. Like a Dyson Airblade. And, and you I thought put it'd your cock f- in the kids... Yeah, I thought it'd be funny. <laughs> finish that, finish that. A uh, Dyson Airblade. Yeah. Um, and I thought it'd be funny to see what would happen if you put your willy into... I would imagine you should blow it about. <laughs> yeah. Which is why. Not, not cock-related, but that's why I don't like a Dyson Because put your hand in it, and it blows you at the side where somebody else has touched. Yeah. I don't think it's very hygienic. No, it's not. It's meant to be, though, isn't it? It's anyway, meant to be. Anyway, I, I, so you, you wash your hands, uh, but... You've got no. Somebody's using the air blade. So you, what you do is you go out and you yeah, yeah you do, your, you're wiping your hands on your trousers. Yeah. But if somebody sees you doing that, it just looks like you've pissed all over your hands and you're wiping it off. Yeah. They they've, they can't see that you've washed. And also, I've been doing quick pisses recently. Oh. What? Well, as a, as a yeah, I feel like I'm challenging yourself. No, I've <laughs> no, I feel like I need to go. And when I go, it's like just a small trickle. Oh right. And then I come back out. I was like, ah, oh, right, okay. So I'm not even in there for that long. So it does look like I've pissed all over my hands and just wiped my hands off. Oh, well, you get you get situations like that. And I think, I don't know whether I've mentioned it on here, but you know, like if you trip and it, somebody might see you. Yeah, so, and you, so you have to build it into a story. Into a run or yeah, something yeah. like that. Just, yeah. Yeah. Well, yesterday, after I'd gone in the Tesco, I was coming out and uh, there was a woman 
who was untying a dog from the bushes outside, and it was like actually in the, in the, the sort bushes, of bushes, yeah. and uh, there was sort of speaking to no one in particular. <laughs> right. She just she started. She said, "I have to tie him out here in the bushes because if I tie him near the." Uh, Tesco's, he'll bark at everybody. But she was just sort of addressing the, the whole, you know. <laughs> right, where did we get to with the story? We've got... We, we've um, got... Um, yeah, so they're talking about the boring one, Yeah, uh, who's Tim Key, awkward silence, realise who they're talking to, and then a woman runs in. She, very, very attractive woman. She plays a woman in elementary who, one of my favourite, I forget her name actually, it was still one of my favourite shows. She's called Ophelia Lovibond. Yeah, just because I don't know her name. <laughs> but anyway, uh, she's, um, yeah, she's beautiful. And um, she, in she runs, she uh, has a quick look into her suitcase. Yeah, so That's I not think gonna hold the person, is that it? establishes her as perhaps being a bit dim. Uh, Cause, cause excitable that she's, ah, oh, look everywhere. Anyway, then she. Uh, just by process of elimination, sees that there's a, co- a big wardrobe there, opens it up, shouts out, found them! And they're like, no, shut up, get in, get in. So they get her in, and then that's when our first conversation is, what's the point of this game? Because she doesn't... Now that, now that I've found you, and they're like, no, 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 that finding us isn't the objective, it's it's to find us and then join us, Yes, I think. Yeah, until the last person finds you. But I don't know what then's supposed to happen. Yeah, I, I think the kiss. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then, anyway, so that was the, that's the point of the game. Once they're in, awkward silence, um, and then Reece Shearsmith breaks the silence with, oh, I've not seen this much wood since, and Pemberton <laughs> cuts him off with, don't start. <laughs> now, at this point here, Ian... Reveals that he knows a bit about Rachel because uh, is it Jer- No, somebody has been talking about her. Jeremy's been, Jeremy's talking, been about talking about her, and he wants to know: Are, are they ex yes. exes? Yeah. yeah, they're exes. Yeah, and he wants to know. Uh, she wants to know what he's been saying, really. So she's fishing for details, um, and it, it it sounds like that she's still into him. But Jeremy is, of course, with Rebecca. Yeah. So um, then, again, they talk a bit about Stinky John and explain that at one point he uh, yeah, just decided not to wash. There's reference to the fact that this is uh, a Narnia-style cupboard yeah. and uh, they'll, they'll go through the Narnia cupboard and get some Turkish delight. Um, did, did you read that as a, as a child, uh, the uh, Lion, the Witch? Yes, the I did read that one. I, I, and, and when I read it, I didn't realise it was part of a whole Narnia series. No, I didn't. I just thought it was a one-off. Yeah. I but know. I do remember the the old BBC show, right. the six-parter. Um, I've, I've watched it recently since. The Lion's terrible. But um, what's worse than the Lion is, is the Beavers. It's, it's clearly a costume. It's, I mean, it's... It's horrendous. Is it men dressed as beavers? Yeah. Well, a man and a woman dressed as a beaver. Right. Oh, Mrs. Beaver. Now they talk in that sort of corn, cornish accent. Well, as, as you would. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You would, wouldn't you? A beaver. Give a beaver a voice. He's going to talk into it in a cornish accent, isn't it? And he's not going to like his anal glands testing for no. uh, vanilla ice cream, is he? No, no. no. Uh, <laughs> what? Anyway, um, so then... They, the woman who is the beautiful woman, who, Rachel. Rachel. She, she fancies getting some fresh air. Yeah. She's getting a bit claustrophobic, and they agree. You know, at least give her some air. Yeah. 
So she gets out, gets on the sort of chaise lounge yeah. sort of thing. The, the doors of the wardrobe are actually open now. They, they think, I think they decided to have a, a couple of minutes break yeah. from hiding. From so Stuart, Reece Shearsmith, he gets out. He says he's going to go to the bathroom. And uh, Ian gets out as well. Ian gets out, yeah. So Reese Shearsmith goes to the bathroom and opens the door and there's a woman sat on the toilet and he shuts the door and he goes, sorry. And then he, he goes, who was that? And he goes... Feed the birds. Yeah, because we should say they've been talking about her before. Oh yeah, yeah she was one of the the, the people because she's actually an employee mm. who they've asked along to come and serve drinks. But yes, she doesn't realise. She that. thinks she's a guest. Yeah, yeah. But she's dressed in a, in. She's got one of those hats on, hasn't she? A little bit like My Fair Lady or Feed, feed the, the Birds, birds from yeah. um, from Poppins. Mary Poppins, yeah. which is another Dick Van Dyke film. It is another Dick Van Dyke film, which and they're all linked, aren't they? Yeah. In the way, so we there's more links than just the type of story we're telling here. I can tell you, I like <laughs> that when people do that. Finish a sentence off by running out of breath. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's because it really is. There's more to that. I can tell you. So, <laughs> I like it. It's really good. It's a good, good one to look out for. Is it? Do they do that to sort of end in what they think might be a comedy way? I don't know. I think there's some people. I, I just did it then because I actually ran out of air. Right. But you can make it. You can. You, your, your tone just changes and it just becomes a little bit funny. Um, so they've got out the wardrobe. Yeah. Now he's found feed the birds. Feed the birds. And okay, there's a conversation here between um, Carl. And Rebecca, where she says something along the lines of, what's the matter? And he comes back with, what do you think? Look where we are. Look where we are. Yeah. Now, it's, it's, there's no more said than that at, no, the, at that stage. Again, and I think this is really nice that what Inside Number 9 does is assumes that a lot of the background you don't need to know. Yeah. We might reference it, but it'll just it's not part of this. Yeah. It's part of, our, part of the character. And that's very clever. In a way, it's sort of seeding what might come later. Yeah. Oh, it, it definitely does in that, but it doesn't. It's it's almost as if that would have that would be how a natural conversation would work. Yeah, because not everything's linked, is it? No, no. Uh, and, in, and, in, in this particular, yeah, exactly. In, yeah. in reality, but I think, yeah, I think that's one of the one of the strengths here that they've got. Not just in this one, but in the whole sort of thing, they have like a thirty-minute show, but they can still get people's character across. Yeah. And backgrounds and stuff, with, yeah. And and say we we'll talk about this. You don't need to know this, or we don't we won't talk about this at all. But it's something you might need to know. Yeah. So you, you're always you're you're not guessing. You're enjoying it yeah. as it's happening, and it makes it worth a rewatch, doesn't it? Like we're doing right now, indeed. So then Tim, they all decide. I think Tim Key actually says. Right, let's assume the position. So they get back in. Now, he re- then makes reference to the TARDIS, which time and rea- relative, relative dimension, dimension in, space. in space, which is TARDIS. Yeah. Uh, being that they're in a closed space, but it's, there's no... It's not yeah, it's sort of like the reverse TARDIS, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. What would that be? Siddharth? Yeah, Siddharth. Sidrat. Sidrat. Now then, then, Jeremy, who is... Oh, they talk about Jeremy, who's Rachel's ex again. Well, that's right. I think it's it's here that it's revealed. I think that for the first time that Rachel's Jeremy's ex. Yeah. So now Rachel and Rebecca have both got a link with him, and Rachel reveals that there's that they're sort of text buddies and that they PM a lot of the time. That's right. Rebecca didn't seem quite happy about that. No, thing, does she? At the same time, whilst the conversation's going on, a secretive handhold happens between the brother and sister. 
but again they pull away right. I can't remember who it is I think it's Rebecca who pulls away right um, the old woman then says oh it's been ages since I've been in this room now we're starting to get a little bit more not just character building but almost what's, what might be about to happen well, what, what the point of this plot is I and I think that that sort of the old lady Geraldine I think that's her role because throughout she's always saying something inappropriate that people are not wanting her to say. Exactly. So what she says, says here is that she's not been in there for a while because Rebecca's dad usually keeps the room locked after and at that point Rebecca comes in saying something like we're not talking about that, it's a party. Yes. So So it's yes, quite subtle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and also you don't know if it you you are led into a false sense of security where you forget that some of the conversations have happened as well. Another skill, another strength, I should say. Um, then uh, Ian, meanwhile, is yes. leaning inappropriately yes. over Rachel, talking about his sex life. Yeah, she's very uncomfortable. I was very uncomfortable hearing yes. about it. Yeah, uh, that was obviously the aim. Well done. And now, Rishir Smith has returned out of the toilet and he comes back into the wardrobe and he immediately sticks his fingers up against Pemberton's face and says, oh, smell that. We should get some of this carbolic for our on-sweetie. Which, which again, is an an ongoing thing. An ongoing thing with the carbolic smell. So then, um, and again, Tim Key, as he's talking, he he decides not to do it from a distance. He gets in close. He he crosses people's faces and stuff. Yeah. It's very, very clever. It's at this point that Mark and Elizabeth come into the room. Mark's the guy who, who owns the company. Yes, that's right. And they can see him, but they don't know that they're in the wardrobe. Yeah, Mark and Elizabeth are oblivious to the people in the wardrobe. The people in the wardrobe can see them. And uh, they start talking about how they might, how they could get away from this by claiming that the babysitter's ill. Yeah. Because they've really come here for connections, for business. They're not enjoying it. That's right. So it's to do with the the company merger. Yeah. Yeah. So he's called Mark, she's called Elizabeth, and they're discussing this merger to do with a Dickie Lawrence. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because they're sort of thinking that uh, Carl's dad... Uh, has got connections with Dickie Lawrence. Yeah, they're they're watching through a, a gap, and they the, the, the people the, in the ward yeah, are watching through. The they gap. start the Mark and Elizabeth start to get intimate. They do, yeah, and a uh, little bit naughty, isn't it? I mean, you don't see anything naughty, but no, it's references but to. He says, "Come on, it's just fingers, it's just fingers." And they in the cupboard wardrobe decide that they're going to have to break the. <laughs> The, not the tension, but bri- somehow let him know that they're there, they're there to stop. To stop, say. stop happening. Yeah. Tim Keys tries to do it by sort of going. Oh, oh yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They said we should make a noise or something. Yeah. Tim Key comes in with, <laughs> and they said we probably need something a little bit better than that. At which point, Geraldine shouts, "Geronimo!" Geronimo! And then you found us like this. They then say, oh yeah, so welcome to the wardrobe, but actually what they're having to say is, we, these doors are so thick, we just didn't hear anything. <laughs> didn't hear anything. Um, Which so, again is, I think, a very English thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but I think everybody knows that they heard what was happening and stuff. Yeah. So they he, then... He introduces himself to Mark at this point, yeah. saying that he works for him in IT. Yeah, and... 
No, he says he works with him. Yeah. And then Mark says, it works for him, actually, I'm the boss. Yeah. <laughs> okay? And then they say, come in before Daddy finds us. Right. So this is the first time that uh, we, we, we know that the dad is part of this game. Okay? Uh, sounds like this could be some sort of tradition now. Something yes. that happens a lot. Yeah. Reluctantly get in, and they... I, I mean, when I say reluctantly, it, I mean, they're still thinking, it, will our excuses work? Did I ever tell you about the... <laughs> I mean, I've got to be careful about who's going to listen to this, but I, I think... I think I'm at the point where I need to say something about this. I went to a party. No, first of all, the background is, I had a party when I was at college. It was a summer holiday. And to tie it in with my birthday, I said, my mum's got a holiday. Everybody come round mine. And we'll just have a night. Right. Okay? And they did. Loads of people came. There was no bad happened. But uh, lots of people came. And it was a big success. It was lovely summertime as well. So we're in the garden, in the house and stuff. Mm. Right. Now then... It set a scene for a bit of, oh, we should do parties every week mm. over the summer holiday whilst we're on a break from college. And a couple of them, mine was the first, one went next. They often involved the night out and then going back to the, you know, that sometimes happened anyway. But then this one guy said, yeah, I'm doing one as well. This date, this time, come over. Now, I didn't know who else was going to this before mobile phones, so I couldn't check in on anything. Before even, really, internet usage. Yeah. So I couldn't. There was no forum or anything like that. <laughs> so I bought a bunch of cider. Let's. I'm. I'm going to say twelve cans of cider. That's a lot. Yeah, but I was buying it for the house as well as. Oh me. right, right. Did you used to do that? Did you? Well, yeah. You know, somebody's opening their house up, just bung right. stuff in the fridge. Oh god, so. we we were like the other way. You know, we'd sort of get what we needed and carry it around in our pockets. No, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I sort of realised that. I might be the only one drinking cider. So, right. But also, you know, if you're going to bring in pizzas and stuff like that, yeah. I brought my payment in, in beer. Yeah. Anyway, so I brought my girlfriend at the time along and we got there and it slowly turned out that I was... I, I was the only person... In, sorry. It slowly turned out that me and my girlfriend, Joanna, knew, knew, who knew this guy we didn't know anybody else Mm. and yet we thought it was going to be one of these college parties he just basically brought his other friends right to this party right so I had a cider maybe people come and then I thought I'd broach the situation and say oh who else is coming and he said I think this is it well I didn't I didn't know anybody now I sort of wanted to recreate some of the fun we'd had at the other parties yeah and you know share it with your mates and stuff I didn't really I wasn't in the mood to get to know new people and also you know they were footballists uh, and yeah. they were lads and that's not me yeah. still isn't me no so anyway I uh, we went out into the garden I had a cigarette and I just said to Joanna we need to get out of here but what the hell can we do so I said um, I've just I said to him after a while of this kind of searching for an excuse I, and, and this is serious I'm not inventing this right now yeah. I've got a painting to pick up from a shop in Lincoln <laughs> and I'd best go and get it before I get drunk was this not evening time? no this was a Saturday afternoon oh right, right. so I'd best go and pick it up before it shuts and I before I get drunk yeah. 
So then <laughs> what I did was I went... I said, right, is that okay? You, you know, I might. And so was this a credible excuse? Were you the sort of person who would buy a painting I was, from Lincoln um, as a know, student? I was, yeah, we were doing art, weren't we? So, oh, I mean, but that's what I said. And then I said, but what else? I might, come, I might be coming back. But what I'll do, I'll take my ciders with me in case we don't come back. <laughs> so I'm there loading the ciders into a bag. The, I'm thinking, I've said it now. I've said that I've said the problem. Yeah. Right? And it's not gonna get any better from here. So I've just gotta make this as swift an exit as possible now. Which would be embarrassing. You would feel all eyes. I'm already I've already done it. I've already done it. Eyes are already on me. Yeah. It's a it's a stupid excuse. So then what we did was we drove off and we're like, well, we escaped just about there. I've got about four weeks before I need to see this guy again, so hopefully he's forgot about it by that time. And then uh, we drove off to another mate's house who was happy to see us and we just decided to, to drink at his house. Had you tried the excuse out on Joanna or did you just blurt it out? No, we were that, in the garden at the time. I was yeah. like, what could we say? And did you did you sort of like work together with it? No, with I it think or? I just said, I've got to say something. Right. I've got to say something that we've got to go for. Right. Anyway, uh, so that's what happened. That was... I did see him, obviously, when I went back to Anything, did he ask you about the painting? He, he just he said I didn't think I didn't think you were going to come back. I I thought that when you were removing your ciders from the fridge, but what he said was, uh, when Joanna had left and left and like stood up from the seat, one of the lads went over and sniffed the seat. Oh God! So that's the sort of that's just to give you an I idea. I think you were right to get out of there. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah. That's a weird behaviour, isn't it? Yeah, it is weird behaviour. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so there at the point of get the Mark and Elizabeth at a point of getting into this wardrobe, yeah, and they're still last ditch. Is there an excuse we can work? They probably realise now that they've been rumbled because they've been discussing excuses and they've been overheard saying them. So actually, it's not going to work. They get in and it is reluctant. Now then, when they get in, it's not too long before. Lee comes in. And he's the guy who's been in before with, with the, the wine and the, the headphones. Yeah. But this time he hasn't got headphones on. And as he walks in, he opens the door and he just said, oh, I should have checked the wardrobe. Never even thought about checking the wardrobe. And he, off, he gives his wine glass to Geraldine and says, fill it up, would like some more champagne, please. And she says, well... What do you mean? I'm, I'm a guest. I'm not. I'm not here to and everybody that. goes, yes, 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 yes. You're a guest. Yeah, you're We're a all guest. guests today. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and it's at this point that there's another reveal from Geraldine that there is a third sibling. There was called Caroline. I think she's called. Yeah. There was. Yeah. Uh, so that's another sort of exp- Geraldine's exposition, isn't she, yeah. to a, to a degree? And then um, Stu is introduced to Lee as uh, Carl's flatmate. Yeah. And, uh, so what's that about? Well, I don't really know. Is Carl, is Carl, you know, not wanting to admit it? Is he interested in... I being... don't know, because Leeds certainly doesn't seem like he's part of the family. No, because he's, t- he's Rachel's boyfriend. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, what, what I mean is, it, like, he's new to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's not part of this side of the family. And he's a lot younger than everybody else. Yeah. He's 21, and he's, and he's a roofer, isn't he? He's, he's, pra- yeah. he's perhaps like one of those guys who was sniffing the Sniffing seat. the chairs, yeah. yeah. Um... And then uh, they've realised it's too crowded, so Stu and Lee g- 
Go Under the Bed. Stuart and Lee. Stuart and Lee. Uh-huh. Ah, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, they go under the bed. Yeah. Now then, Ian then gets out and he says, Look, I'm, I'm going to go to the bathroom then. Yeah. Now, this is the bit where, because Stuart's starting to fake being felt up just yeah. to cause a bit of reaction with Carl. Yeah. You see the scene, the camera is pointing at the wardrobe, you can see the bed, and you hear the conversations happening without seeing anybody. And it's a, so it's really well done. Yeah. And um, then Stinky John walks in. Yeah. And you know he's Stinky John as soon as you see him. He's looking very sweaty, isn't he? Yeah, he's played by Mark... Uh, Walton. Walton. Uh, Walton, I'm sorry. Walton, Wooten. Yeah. Yeah. Who, I think... Is he the estate agent in Gavin and Stacey? Yes, he is. He's, he did... Um, it, it was the guy in... What's that nativity uh, film called? Um, um, it's about the, nati- the school nativity. Oh, I don't know. Um, you know, they have a... Um, nativity? It's called... Nativity. Yeah. Yeah, it's called Nativity. He plays Mr Poppy. Mr Poppy, yes. So he's, that's him, yeah. Um, now then... Stinky John tries to get into the wardrobe. They won't let him. They close ranks. They do. Okay, uh, so they're not letting him come in. And he says, but that's not the game rules. We've got to be together. And then they say, no, 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 no. And there's plenty of room under the bed, though. <laughs> so he tries to get under the bed. And they won't let him in there. What point to mention is every time he speaks, they react to him smell his smell. So his breath or something like that. Yeah, they won't let him go in the, uh, the under the bed. So they suggest him hiding behind the curtain because <laughs> he tries to get back in the wardrobe. Yeah, that's but right. They're holding the door shut, and as he's trying to do that, and he hides behind the curtain, somebody else comes in who we reveal to be Jeremy. Jeremy. Yeah. Now he seems he's not part of the he's not playing the game at this time because he goes up to the wardrobe and he shouts through Rebecca I'm just going to pick up a friend from, from the station from the it? station do you know where the keys are yeah and she says you're in your coat pockets he says he's looked in there he says he looked in there he can't find but them but he'll take the mini and he is goes, it okay if I take the mini she says alright and he goes to leave and says love you Rachel which is obviously the, the other girl yeah he's his ex so so he then gets in the wardrobe. Well, well, what happens then is an old, the old man Andrew, uh, who is the dad, right. walks in, stops him from leaving. Almost that's right. Yeah, he he he, and he also discovers Stinky John behind the curtain. Yeah, and he's like, no, 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 no. The the rules, the game rules of sardines is that everybody ends up in the cupboard together, in the wardrobe together. Yeah. Well, that's not the rules of sardines, but but be together. So come on, out of the bed. Everybody, you, out of the curtain, Jeremy, you were going in. And whilst they're getting in, the tension between the, the I love you, Rachel, and, and Rebecca hearing that, yeah. he's saying, Rachel, Rebecca, Rebecca. Um, so it's, it's really, really tense. Now then. Adding to the tension is the fact that Stinky John's in there. Stinky John's in there, and every time he breathes, and, and, and somebody's sort of like, I think it's Lee who says... Is it just me, or is there a shitty smell in here? <laughs> now, they're passing mints around. Yeah. So, does anyone want a mint? Stinky John replies with, no, no, no. It, it gives me diarrhea. gives me diarrhea. <laughs> and then there's a story that begins, and 
I can't remember who said it. Rebecca talks to Andrew about uh, playing sardines at parties. Yes, but it leads on then to... Andrew starting to sing a song. Is this the bit where he says it reminds him of the Cub Scouts? No, January? that's later on. Oh, right, OK. So, But he starts to sing a song called... And it's a baby sardine saw his first submarine. And Carl cuts him dead. Don't sing that. Yeah. Or something like that, yeah. isn't it? Don't sing that in here. Yeah. So there's some sort of... Yeah. Now then, I think it's Geraldine who then says... Yeah. Uh, the Cub Scouts that's, Jamboree. That's right. And she begins to tell a story uh, about the police were involved. Yes. And Carl then says that he was paid... Uh, well, he said, where is he, where is he now? And oh, where it? is he now? Little Pip. There was a little That's boy right. there, Little Pip. And they say he's moved to Spain. His parents moved to Spain. And yeah. Carl says he was paid to go. Andrew comes in saying that he was just teaching the boy to wash himself. Yeah, and and the carbolic soap is mentioned again yeah. at this stage as well. And uh, Carl says, we weren't all that lucky, were we, John? No, because he was... It seems like the police or the, the investigation, whatever investigation happened, was paid oh. off. Yeah. yeah, so there was a cover-up involved in whatever this was. But it makes me think... Has a similar thing out. Well, obviously, this is what's happened. This is what's referred to at the beginning. Excuse yeah. me. <coughs> With the incident that stopped John Washington. Exactly. Yeah, that's what you would expect. Now, somebody then references the fact that everybody's been found. You know, that, the, yeah. that we're all in the wardrobe together. But, of course, somebody then says, Ian's not here. He's in the bathroom. At which point, Jeremy says, that, that's not Ian. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm about to go and pick up Ian. From, from the train station. station. So then, you hear or you see a close-up of a key turning on the outside of the wardrobe door, yeah, locking it. And you can hear Ian singing the entire sardine yeah. song. The camera angles are so nice here because you just see a profile of him, almost silhouette. It's not quite silhouette, but almost. Yeah. At which point, he you realise now that there's a probably a connection between him and Little Pip. Yes. Yeah. Um, because he's continuing singing the song as he starts Spraying pouring lighter, um, fuel. lighter fluid around the wardrobe and the outside of the wardrobe. They're kind of like saying, um, can you let us out, please? Uh, you know, they, they've realised they're locked in. And actually, uh, he then lights a lighter. And, uh, and then that's the, that's, the and that's the end of the story. Yeah. I mean, I remember seeing this for the first time and... I'd also heard um, Reese Shearsmith and um, and Steve Pemberton on Richard Herring's podcast oh. talking about the fact that there's there's this new thing coming up, and you know Reese was getting really really upset about the fact that people had said, "When are you going to do something else like League of Gentlemen?" Right. He said, "Well, have you ever seen Psychoville?" <laughs> he was getting really really crossed with them, but then he said that you know this new series was coming up. And the only connection it had was the fact that it was them and number nine each week. No continuing story. So when we when I saw this, I was aware of that. And I knew that there'd be no follow-on to this. Yeah. And this is exactly what we get from most of the episodes in, in Tales of the Unexpected. Yes. Is that I want to now know what happens immediately after the cameras have stopped rolling. And of course, in, in the Christmas episode... Yeah, you, you, do. you actually do. Yeah, which is a, a, another little bit of a twist. Yeah, um, 
so there's the episode. Now it's for a number of reasons. It's it's I, it's not by much. It's my favourite episode. It's not by much because I think all episodes are absolutely fantastic. But mainly because of how much I think Tim Key brings to this, and it, it turns out he's the villain. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Uh, or, or maybe he, you know, it's the vengeance, isn't it? It's the revenge. It's not. Yeah. He he realizes that he's somehow he's been able to set this up. Or, or he's been given an opportunity to set this up. I mean, it's a very dark episode, isn't it? Dealing with child abuse, possible incest, yeah. mass murder. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a lot. Uh, yeah, there's loads going on. And, that, and all the time, the middle-class English. Yes. There's something quite sinister about seeing them together, isn't it? I, I'm, I'm quite proud of my roots in that I, I don't feel like I'm under scrutiny, whereas I think a middle a middle class person can face a bit of scrutiny in this episode they're really in the firing line yeah. but whatever happens next it was they got their just desserts so what are we not just deserves are you, <laughs> I, I noticed this when I um, gave up being a solicitor I remember you when you told me about and why I, you gave it up I um, before that you know, I'd be walking down the street in my suit, and uh, if I saw other solicitors I knew from court, they'd sort of say hello and stuff, and it was a bit, bit middle class, I suppose, being that. But uh, once I stopped wearing a suit, they stopped seeing me. Yes. And I could walk by them, and they just wouldn't look at me. Remember when we did Galloping Foxley? Yeah. We, we mentioned right at the start that everybody was wearing the bowler hat and the suit yeah. suit. At some point, that must have stopped. Yeah. It almost feels like... Some people, when they get the job, realise that that's part of the job is to look like that. Yes. That actually, you know, part of being who you are is not what makes you necessarily comfortable, but it's to look the part. Yeah. And actually, I now just wear what I feel very comfortable. We, I think we've, we've gone off on one. We are pretty, uh, aren't we? Um, but uh, there's your episode. There's your special, your summertime special. <laughs> we probably will. With Keith Chegwin. With, yeah, Chegwin Lion Taming. In a wardrobe. In a wardrobe. With sardines. The, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. The lion, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. <laughs> the wardrobe. Um, right, well, uh, we will, won't be saying kind of next time we'll be doing this, uh, because next time it'll be season three of The Tales of the Unexpected. Yeah. However, the next summer special, which might be an autumn special or a winter special, um, is going to be your choosing of inside number nine yeah which is um now i've not looked up how to say this because i did german at school obviously with with Warticus. um but i think it's la couchette would that does that sound right it, yeah but I would is that german do you think or it sounds no, more that's french. french so that's why i don't know how to say it <laughs> <laughs> I have done some research into another word because uh, there's a the, the, the tagline for it the uh, for for the poster they did was in dusem class everyone can hear you scream so in first class in second class everybody can hear you scream. scream so I did look up how to say dusem but I might have got it wrong mm. uh, anyway it's about uh, it's all set inside a French sleeper carriage. And uh, with six or seven people in, in it there, all with their own backstories. And uh, it's one of my favourite favorite episodes. Because 
it's not like a lot it's not sort of like a lot happens but no, no, no. it's one of my favourite episodes <laughs> okay cool uh, well let's call it time on there and we'll play the outro music and we'll see you in the next few weeks not too sure on when the date is but uh, we'll see you in the next few weeks for the return of uh, Tales, 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 Tales of the Tales Tales of the Tales and um, season three yeah. bye bye <laughs> bye <laughs>